Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Hello, I'd like to welcome Mike Jezacek, CPA today. He has been an entrepreneur his entire career. Throughout that journey, he's experienced all the business stages from the good to the bad, which has become his mission to help out businesses on their own special journey. Along the way, he created the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, which is geared towards taxpayers and their Q&A. We are going to get some amazing insights from Mike today, and I have some questions. But first, Mike, can you tell us a little bit more about you, your virtual accounting firm, Inksite, and where are you actually located? Because it's kind of mysterious online. Yeah, Jackie. And first off, thanks for having me on today. And um, yeah, I'm I'm actually physically located in Wisconsin. Uh, and so our firm is kind of headquartered in Florida, but we work and work with clients all across the country and I'll have employees scared across the country. So for whatever reason, I decide to stay here in Wisconsin and brutal winters and all that, but that's, that's another discussion we can have. Um, yeah. So a little bit of background about me. Uh, I actually kind of fell into this idea of, of being an accountant. Accountant was sort of my uh, backup plan. And here I am 12 years after starting an accounting firm, still being an accountant, but uh, I, oh, I was hey, in- 12 years into my firm too. That's awesome. There we go. Yeah. So we have something in common there. Um, but I actually started my career at a young age into online marketing. And so I was doing what it was kind of a niche area of online marketing called affiliate marketing. I started at the age of like 14 doing that type of stuff. Uh, owned my own business at that age, had an exit at the age of 18, which I say exit kind of in quotations because it was like $5,000, but it was exciting for me <laughs> okay. at that time to, to sell a, a website more so than an exit. Exit, but um, but just throughout that journey of of being kind of just an entrepreneur, always working for myself or with partners, um, there was just a lot of different stages of that that life cycle that that I learned, and it I went to was going to school during the time as well, and said you know I'm just going to get an accounting degree because you know as an entrepreneur and I'm sure everybody goes through this, you're always like everything's going to fall apart tomorrow or one day, right? And then I'm just going to be stuck with nothing to do, and that never happens, but. That was my my plan. I was like, okay, I'm going to get an accounting degree, get the CPA, and that's going to be sort of my backup plan. And what eventually happened is closer to graduation, we were in a, a an online marketing company where there's a partner and there were seven of us in that partnership. And we were all really good at what we did, kind of focused in different areas of online marketing. But what happened is we we're kind of pulling that online marketing company into the directions or we wanted to pull in the directions that we specialized in. So we had, you know, one guy that was great at media buying and he wanted to really focus the company on media buying. But, you know, our other guy was really good at social. And so we we had seven partners that wanted to pull a company in a bunch of different directions. Different directions. And we at that point said, okay, 
let's kind of sit back and let's let's go our different directions and specialize in our own companies that way. And that's when I uh, got into the accounting firm, started an accounting firm. And, uh, you know, we, we did some software development at the beginning part of that as well. So kind of been a, a weird journey on how I got here. But, uh, you know, throughout that time, just has seen a bunch of different stages of being an entrepreneur and, you know, having partners, having no partners, going through exits and, you know, having massive failures and, and a lot of things along that journey. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a part of the journey, the failures, the, um, the downside of things. It's not a straight line up to success, right? It's very roller coaster and even crashes sometimes, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because, and everyone always says, uh, you know, what you see on social media isn't, isn't always true, but I think when you're an entrepreneur, it is, you're even more sheltered because, you know, you you feel so alone sometimes when you're growing businesses and uh, you know, you see all the positives and things on social media. And that's why, you know, ever since the beginning, I've always had this atmosphere of, I want to collaborate with other accountants. There's, there's so many, there's so much business out there that this idea of, accountants having to think of each other's competition is just not realistic to me. Uh, but that has been yeah. so helpful. And, you know, it's rare for an accountant to feel not look at other accounts as competition. But when you start to align yourself with other accountants that are forward thinking and, and open to collaboration, it really kind of pulls you into that area of, hey, we're all here to help each other. There's going to be plenty of business for us, but how can we help each other along this journey. And that has really been my, my crutch to, to go on is when you feel in these spots where you are all alone, um, really you're not. There's a whole team of other people that are in the same situation that are that will help you up and you'll help them up when they need it as well. Yeah, for sure. That's the important thing. This week has been a bit stressful. It feels like kind of problem after problem hit. But the thing that I was reminded of this morning is that at least I still have a tribe around me of people that are going to support me no matter what. And that's so much more important, I think, than, you know, anything else when it comes to being an entrepreneur. So that's really cool. So so you knocked out the first question I had, which was, did you always want to be an accountant? So obviously that was kind of a backup plan, which makes sense. It seems like you've done pretty well in the space for sure. Um, Let me ask this. How long have you done your small business tax savings podcast and what advice would you give to a listener if they might want to start one? Because I know I could learn a few things as a newbie in this space. Yeah. So I've been doing the podcast for about four years now. And, and that story is kind of funny how we how we stumbled into even doing a podcast. Um, we had a, a few YouTube videos. I think one was like independent contractor versus employee or something like that. And, and someone said, well, why don't you start a podcast. And I wasn't into podcasting or anything like that. So we took two videos, threw them up on a free podcasting service, called it the small business tax savings podcast, and then did nothing. And six months later, I had someone reach out to me and they're like, Hey, really love your podcast. Would love to work with you. And I'm like, what podcast could you possibly be talking about? And it started to remind me of like, Oh, we did something like six months ago. And that was kind of our cue of like, Hey, maybe there's, maybe there's some traction here. And ever since then we've been doing weekly episodes, kind of pairing them with blog posts and and things like that. But you know, the the thing with podcasts is it's, it's a really slow game. Um, It takes a significant amount of time. uh, But at the same time, it, it takes a while before you start to gain any kind of traction. And, you know, one thing that I've always kind of looked at it is, is we use our podcast, not just for 
getting listeners and all that, but we also use it as a tool to do research on our own, as well as a source for our current clients. So current client comes to us and says, you know, Hey, how do I hire my kids in my business? Or how do I do this? We're like, well, guess what? We have a podcast. We have a blog post that you can check out that, that, that is a good source for that. So during this time of when you're, you're putting all this time and effort into producing podcasts and not really getting anything out of it, at least there was kind of that, that standpoint from it. Like, Hey, we're not doing this for nothing. Even if no one shows up, no one listens, we're producing some really good content for our clients or whoever may, we might want to, you know, give that information to out. And uh, that was kind of the motivation to say, Hey, let's keep doing this. And then, you know, of course, over time, you know, continuing to stay on that schedule, you're just going to continue to grow and get more listeners, downloads, everything else from there. Okay. Yeah. So that's good advice. It's, it's a long game. You got to hang in there for it. Yeah. And, and it's especially tough because, you know, there's a lot that goes into producing a podcast and, you know, one other kind of recommendation for those looking to get into podcasts is I always say, just get content out. When I first started, I would like record and re-record a podcast episode, maybe like 10 to 15 times. Wow. I can't stutter here. I, you know, did something wrong there. And now to the point where I press record, I go, if there's some mistakes, maybe cut them out, maybe just leave them in there. I don't know. You know, it's just, let's get the content out because that's what matters. Having an um or having a, a stutter in there really isn't going to affect the ultimate end quality of what the listener is going to hear. I love that. Yeah. One of my biggest mottos is just do it. <laughs> so, you know, if you feel scared, actually starting a podcast was one of the scariest things. I do a lot of speaking, but I didn't like the idea of talking to an audience that can't respond to me right away. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, but I love the idea of being able to pick people like your brains on um, what they're doing well and, and advice that they can give others. So it, it's really been a cool experience so far. Um, now, at what point would you advise someone to actually start their own business? You know, I mean, from a tax standpoint, and you know, you know this obviously, but I would always say, you know, start it as, as soon as possible, whether it's big or small, just having some type of business, which has some sort of income running through, allows you to shift some of that everyday spending that you might be doing regardless into a, a taxable deduction. And so uh, I always say, you know, when we're talking to people that aren't in business or people that are just W2 earners that are saying, you know, what, what are some things we can do? I always say, like, let's think about maybe starting a business or a rental property of some sort. Let's find a way that we can start to shift some of that spending that you're doing already now, but now we can find a way to have a business deduction for it. And how can we kind of incorporate that into the overall tax planning of, of what you're doing? So, you know, I always say start a business as soon as possible, but as kind of your motto is, is just do it. I always say also do it quick. Um, yeah. there, there's been a lot of times in, in, in my journey that it took a, a have an idea I take some time or I wait to do it until it's perfect. And then all of a sudden you're way too late to the game. And yeah. so, you know, whatever that business is, whatever that idea might be, you know, do it and do it quick. Is it's just kind of a get something out there um, as, as quick as possible because you never know what's going to grab, what's going to gain tax traction. And it's funny in business, things take off in, in, in times when you would never expect them to. And right. then when you do expect things to blow up and go really well, you know, you stay pretty stagnant. And so you never know when that one thing might catch and really might be something that takes off forever. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, 
Um, I like to ask people, what is one book or interview or TEDx that our listeners need to run out and get right after this interview? Is there one in particular that you're like, you have to have this? Yeah, one that's that's always resonated with me. And, it, and I read it when I was in college, uh, but it was The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. And it's just this idea of it's not saying you make a quick million, but it's 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 what is the mindset shift that you have to be if you want to be an entrepreneur and how do you get to that mindset shift? It's it's kind of it's a very quick read. It's it's not like a, an MBA type material where it's really going to be like information you never heard, but it's just a, a mindset shift. And so I, I, that has been a book that has stuck with me since the start of my journey of being an entrepreneur. Uh, we actually also on the podcast had the the honor to to interview MJ DeMarco on one of our episodes as well. So it's a little bit more dear to heart. I'm like, having him on the podcast, I've been reading your book or telling people about your book for over 12 years and finally had the opportunity to talk to you in person. So that was also kind of a, a cool thing that I can say, add on to that, that book as well. Yeah. I have not heard of it, but I will run out over to Amazon and I will grab it right after this interview. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. It's, it's a really, it's a quick read and it's, it's an enjoyable read. The way he writes is it's just kind of a fun way to, to, to read. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you've had challenges, just like every entrepreneur. Is there one particular challenge that stands out to you as um, kind of one of the biggest ones you've had? And how did you overcome it? Or what advice would you give others if they're going through a big challenge? Yeah, in this, you know, there's two that really come to mind. The first one, and this is just for kind of a general business owner, is this idea of kind of like a minimal viable product. Uh, when we first started our accounting firm, there wasn't much solution out there for, we were 100% cloud-based from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much out there for project management systems for accountants based in the cloud. And so I was like, well, we're, we're, we're doing that. So let's create one of our own. And the problem that we had with that is I had this great idea of what we wanted to do and a great product. And the problem with it is we spent three years building it. And so by the time we launched it, there was six competitors on the market that were fully funded and, and well-supported right. and had great products out there. And so I always said, you know, but our product was perfect by the time it came out. It had all the bells and whistles, it had all the features that we wanted. And so I've always said, looking back and, and everything that we do now is just start with a minimal viable product. What is something that you can at least get a product out there, gain the interest, see if there's people out there that want it, and then enhance it from there. But at least you have something on the market before you're too late to the game. So that was kind of what is one thing that, that I've learned in that kind of software development space. Yeah. So, you know, I, I recently became a software developer as well. I've developed a tax planning software called Tax Plan IQ. And we've got a couple of huge competitors that are coming into the game within six months to a year of when I created my product. But I kind of like to think like we all bring something unique and special to the table. And so there's still room, just like not wanting to compete with other accountants. I feel like there's plenty of abundance in the space. So I hope that we all kind of find our own little um, path. But if I would have waited another year or six months at least, I probably would have never been able to launch. And so that's really, really good advice. I, I yeah. appreciate that personally. Yeah. And, and we were just in a tough position. You know, we, we wanted to launch this thing so much earlier and we we're just like, we want to make it perfect before we launch. And, you know, we were bootstrapped, so we didn't have the cash flow and, and everything else that a lot of these other software companies were producing out there. And, right. uh, 
you know, I love the product, but we ended up utilizing a competitor at that point because it didn't make sense to continue to develop this thing and enhance it for one user, which was us when there was other great products out there. So that was kind of the, the changing point of that. Yeah. The, the dorky accountant in me makes me ask you what workflow product are you using now? So we're using teamwork. Okay. And so it's funny, it's not a specific to accountants, but right. it, it was a software that right when we stopped using ours, we we're trying, trying out all the software out there. And so we landed on a software called teamwork. Okay. Yeah. I remember testing it out. I used to just like be so into trying new apps left and right. And then I'd come back a month later, they'd be totally different. So I had to start <laughs> this like Excel spreadsheet of the features I liked and didn't like and all that stuff. So yeah. It's an addiction. Software, so, new, trying out new software is an addiction. I think accountants tend to fall in that trap quite frequently. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, okay, so what is something that you do exceptionally well, so feel free to brag, in your work? And how do you think that our listeners could learn from you in that area? Yeah, when we talked about kind of the struggles that we faced, there was one other one that, that I mentioned, and, and it's just this idea of letting go. And, and so being able to let go of the day-to-day -day work that you're doing, and that was a struggle for me when I first started my firm, is that I, I knew I was good at whatever I was doing. And so I it was tough for me to then have somebody else do that. And are they going to do it like me? Are they going to do it exactly like me? Are they going to do it as good as me? Right. And it's just this idea of that trapped me. And so one thing that I do, what I say exceptionally well now is, is just communicate and staying up to date on tasks and, and just staying on top of what is needed from me, as well as constant communication, whether that's with clients, whether that's with team members, vendors, whatever it might be, that is one thing that, that I'm really good at. But how I got to that point to be able to be stay on top of tasks was this idea of delegating and being able to let go and being able to trust the people that I hire to take yeah. some of that stuff off my hands. And I always kind of say one thing that I've always told myself, because the first couple of hires were just so brutal. I, I, I was expecting them to be me. I was expecting them to just replicate me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I understand like, that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, if someone brings new blood, new ideas, new things to the table, that is usually going to be a good thing for our firm. But from a productivity standpoint, I know that I'm the owner and I'm likely going to be most involved and, and willing to spend the most time on the business. So I always put this mindset, like, like anybody I hire, I expect them to do what I'm doing at maybe 70%. Mm -hmm. And if I had that mindset going into it, it made me accept and be so much more satisfied with the output from it. Mm -hmm. Now, some hires did 110. They did, they did things much better and way better than I ever could. But some people would fall in at that 70% or 80%. And I was happy with it because that's what my expectations were at that point. And so that was, you know, part of that delegation is... Don't expect people to replicate you or do it exactly how you're doing it. Uh, you know, have that acceptance of new blood or new ideas into your business because it really can be refreshing. Uh, but also having this mindset or just be accepting that people probably are not going to work as hard as you do, or people might not be as productive as you were in your business. And if you know that ahead of time, I feel like you're going to be much more accepting when that when that outcome comes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I always say, uh, focus on everyone's strengths. And so other people are going to bring something totally different to the table. We, we have weaknesses too, right? We all have weaknesses. And so hopefully they can kind of fill those gaps and then bring a lot more to the table as well. So that's a really good life lesson for sure. 
Um, do you have a like productivity hack that you can give us? Um, yeah. So a few things that I, that I do, and this is kind of my, my, my day-to-day type work is that I always try to tackle what I think is going to be the most difficult or hardest task at the beginning of the day. Yeah. And first thing, right? So many times, like it's something that I used to just push back and be like, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. All of a sudden you get to it and you're like, this actually isn't that hard. It's actually right. really easy once you take the time to just sit down and do it. And so typically at the beginning of the day, whether it's before hours and you don't have clients bothering you or staff bothering you, I tend to find that that's the easiest thing to knock out. And then the other thing that I do is at the end of every day, I take the last hour and I try to knock out, you know, what, what else do I have? Was I supposed to get done today or do I need to still get done today? I knock out all the quick ones right away and say, okay, this takes five minutes. Let's knock that out. Let's get all of these off the plate. And then whatever is left over, take 10, 15 minutes and say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to do first thing tomorrow morning. So I always kind of plan my day of like, I want to end the day. And, and this is just probably my OCD of, I always want to have no tasks left or all my emails sure. answered by the end of the day. And that's how I want to end my day. But I always have a plan. And if I can't get to that point, I'm going to tackle this first thing tomorrow and then kind of create that continuous path forward. Did you organically learn that or was that something you were taught through another resource or program? Definitely organically learned it. Um, You know, kind of another aspect to that is this idea of time blocking. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I first started, I would just have, you know, a calendar link where people book time on my calendar and be open all day long. And so next thing you know, I'm in meetings from eight in the morning till five at night. I'm like, how do I can't even don't even have enough time to respond to the meetings I'm jumping off of. And so, you know, I I think when you look at calendar blocking too, there's different levels of it. And that I've learned through resources of how do you calendar block? What does that look like? Um, You know, and when I first started, it was very mild. Like I'm just going to block off half my day and that's going to be for tasks. So Mm -hmm. that's very simple calendar block of half the days for calls, half the days for tasks. And then from there, you know, okay, of those calls, how am I going to distinguish that? Maybe two hours of the call time is for a team and two hours is for clients. And you know, how am I distinguishing the task time? And so you can enhance it from there. But, you know, I tell all of our staff, like counter blocking takes time. It, it takes you know effort to put it in, but from its standpoint of just getting the basics done again, just get something done, do something uh, as simple as, Hey, this is for calls and this is for work was easy. was enough that that made a dramatic impact on, you know, what I was able to get done and when I was able to get it done. Yeah. Wow. We have so much in common. We could be like brother and sister (laughs) (laughs) because I teach a mastermind course called certified concierge accountant. And guess what the very first lesson is? Time blocking. Time blocking. <laughs> yes, time blocking. I mean, That's it is so, so imperative. We've got like a busy season calendar and then a non-busy season calendar that we teach everybody. And it's really what just sets people up for success. And I like your tip about, again, it not being perfect, but just starting somewhere, whether those are four hour blocks or just one day at a time, just do something because it's going to send you in a really good direction. That's great. I love it. Okay. So how do you stay? Well, assuming you're happy and healthy, you look happy and healthy. Uh, we all have our, our problems, but how do you tend to stay uh, sane in this crazy industry that we're in? Huh. Well, that's funny because I, if you ask my wife, I don't think she would say I was sane, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get past that. Um, okay. 
I would just say, you know, one thing that, and this was something I just learned over time is you have to have a shutoff point. You have to have a point where you just shut things off and that's the end of your day because working virtually working from home, typically the end of the day would hit and I'd leave my office, take my laptop and I'd go sit in the recliner. And now I'm answering emails at seven to 10 o'clock at night or doing whatever out there. And it, there was just never a shutoff point. And that just wore on me, wore on me. And so uh, there's various different things. And again, it's kind of different levels. I started out by just saying, okay, I'm not going to turn notifications on after five. So, um, you know, if an email came through, I wouldn't know because it wouldn't ding, uh, but I could still check my phone. So instead of waiting for the ding. I'm just sitting there on my phone, like every five minutes, refreshing my email to see if something came oh, through. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of got explored like, okay, now I'm going to move my email app to the second page of my phone, or now I'm going to remove it from my phone. And so you're just taking different steps like that. I, you know, I would say that is one piece to me that that was important is knowing when to shut off and also taking time off, you know, so that's just shutting off from a day-to-day basis, but also taking time out of, you know, taking a week of vacation, you're actually enjoying yourself. And I know as a business owner, it's so hard to go on vacation. I I say I've been on one vacation in 10 years because I always have my laptop with me. I'm always doing something, even if I'm I'm on vacation. Um, but even being able to disconnect really is is refreshing to to your mind and your body when you do come back to work from that. Yeah, for sure. And that goes back to time blocking too. One of the first things you should time block over the next like 365 days is your own vacation because no one else is going to block that for you as an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's excellent. All right. So I'm curious, what does, with the name of my podcast being the concierge CPA, and that's kind of the name that I've gone by over the years as an accountant, what does concierge mean to you? Yeah, I, I love that name, by the way. And to me, it just kind of it's it's this idea of somebody that knows a lot as well as and as well as is well connected. So when I think of concierge, I'm thinking, OK, you go to the, the hotel, you're looking for the best burger in town. They're going to tell you where it is. And if you need to know how to get there, they're going to call somebody that's going to get you a cab to get there or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I always just say very knowledgeable on what your audience is looking for as well as being able to have a resource that if it's not something you do internally, you have a connection or you have some source for that person to be able to accomplish whatever they might be looking for. So that's when I hear concierge CPA, that's kind of what comes to mind to me at least. Yeah, that, that you're right on the money right there. So that's good. Um, Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for our listeners to hear? We've got a lot of accounting firm owners, entrepreneurs, um, some accounting staff, uh, any final words of advice? Yeah, I would just say, you know, you you mentioned earlier about this idea of like a productivity hack or something that we utilize for there. And we mentioned some things, but one other thing that we've done in our firm, and this is probably the past five or six years, is move to this idea of a shared inbox. And so the, what we were finding a lot of times was, you know, you, you have all your personal emails, Mike at whatever, or, you know, Jackie at whatever it might be. And so we saw that clients would sometimes not see some CC somebody and you're missing emails. And so one thing that we transitioned to was just this idea of a shared inbox where clients have one email. It goes to our entire team. Internally, we can comment on that email without the client knowing we can forward it to whoever it might be, but it allows us also that if we need to look back at a conversation or see what happened maybe a year ago, we can easily find it without having to search six different staff emails to see if, oh, did you get not CC'd on this email or something like that? And so that was a cool thing that we implemented in our firm that 
I think, you know, looking back has really helped us in that communication standpoint, but also really knowing what has been going on with clients from a long-term standpoint as well. Yeah, that's great. I don't hear that very often. When did you implement that? It was probably, like I said, five or six years ago uh, as part of there's a lot of software out there now that do kind of shared inboxes. And, you know, we use teamwork for our project management system and, and they have a, a software called teamwork desk, which is basically a shared inbox system, but yeah, it's exactly Zendesk's another one, but it, it's, it's kind of like a support ticket system uh, for accounting firms or that's what we utilize it for. You know, instead of thinking of it as a, a ticket system though, we just think of it as just a normal email system, but it, it is the same thing as a ticket system. You know, you're having a support issue on a software, whatever it might be, they're going to direct it to the apartment the department that needs to answer that. And so instead of departments or things like that, we're just kind of directing it to the account manager, whoever's working on them or, you know, whoever it makes sense to respond to that. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And how could a listener reach out to you if they want to maybe follow up with more questions? Yeah, the easiest place to find me is taxsavingspodcast.com. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Man, this was a good interview. I loved everything you had to say. Thank you so much, Mike, uh, for your time. Um, And take care. Yeah, Jackie, thanks for having me on and, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. listening to the concierge CPA hosted by tax plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today. Thank you.